Happy Friday. Fan drive time. Sportsnet 590. The fan. Ben Ennis. Blake Murphy. Back in the saddle after a one-day hiatus yesterday. Won't get into that. Didn't feel great. Feels great to be back, though, Blake. Well, so I have some some reporting to do on this, and normally I wouldn't report on sports media because that's not my job and it's weird, but... Yeah, you don't um, want to add another lane to, to your resume. I, I had several sources tell me that you weren't actually sick yesterday. You got frozen into hmm. the rink that you've been trying to make. You have complained and complained that it hasn't been cold enough. It's taken so much water. <laughs> I have several people from your neighborhood telling me that you were actually frozen into the rink and it was only this morning that they were able to chip you out of the ice so that you could get here. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely plausible. In fact, I was, you know, it's funny you bring up the rink because this is the only show in which I've not discussed, like the building of the rink behind my house in the park. Really? I know a lot about... The I know rink you've been building, so I, how has that not come up on this? Because you've been listening to every other program on the station, including the J.D. Bunkus uh, podcast, including Real Kipper and Born. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm building the rink, and it's, it, yeah, it has a leak in it, so it's nine-tenths of the way full, and that's where it will remain, so the children can skate on the nine-tenths of it that, that work, and I'll just, you know, cordon off the other part, and that's just not skatable. So enjoy what you got, kiddos. Because I am done. Well, here's the bright side. It's minus a zillion out today. Correct. So everything's going to be frozen. That's that's true. It just requires water to be in it to be frozen. Just which... put a little saran wrap at the bottom nice. of your shoes Yeah. and uh, just glide around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to today's top story. And there's a juicy one uh, because the Raptors have been knocked out of the lead position for teams that are the most interesting headed towards Thursday's NBA trade deadline. According to Sham Sharania and then subsequently every other NBA insider, a breaking Brooklyn Nets all-star <laughs> Kyrie Irving has requested a trade. League sources tell The Athletic and Stadium the franchise has been informed that Irving prefers to move on ahead of the February 9th trade deadline or will live uh, will leave in free agency in July. Now, uh, subsequent reporting also indicates that the, uh, an extension was offered to Kyrie with like some stipulations involved. And he said, uh, nuts to your stipulations. He's played well recently, but since KD went down, they have lost seven of the 11 games, despite the fact that Kyrie is averaging over 30 points a game over that span. So, I mean, there's, there's lots to talk about here, Blake. This is not necessarily surprising. I mean, the Nets are a good team in the Eastern Conference and have championship aspirations because they have one of the best players in the world and Kevin Durant, who will return at some point. But this was, I mean, this was the sort of Damocles hanging over this franchise ever since, well, Kyrie did it again earlier on this season. I wouldn't say it was a sort of Damocles. It was a full-blown Damocles. <laughs> okay. I'm just teasing because you love the sort of Damocles. Do I? Yeah. It's like your, your sort of Damocles, my myth of Sisyphus. That's, yeah, it's, okay. uh, I, I use that one a lot in my, in my writing days. Uh, Sisyphus got that dog in him. Is, uh, <laughs> is the logical endpoint of that one. Um, so there's a lot here, right? And, and I we're going to get into a million Kyrie trade iterations and funny ways this could all go. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have, and specifically Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant has had a hand in some of this. Like he, he picked, not even a pick your poison. He was like, hey, I would like some poison, please. Yeah. And then could I pick which poison yeah. I'm pick, I'm having? Um, so they get these three guys together. And here's what you've gone through. Kyrie does the anti-vax stuff, which 
whatever, feel how you feel about it, but they missed him for a ton of games because of it, and it caused a ton of drama around the team. James Harden requests a trade. That trio is broken up playing 16 games together. Mm -hmm. From there, you get KD trying to leave unless Sean Marks, the general manager, Steve Nash, the coach, are fired. The Nets say no. They refuse to trade him after a summer of speculation. They turn around and they fire Steve Nash anyway. Jacques Vaughn takes over. Um, the Harden-Simmons thing has led to Jacques Vaughn taking not-so-veiled shots at Ben Simmons' durability or willingness to play. There was a point in 2021 where when KD, Kyrie, and Harden were all together, the Nets tried to give them all extensions, saying, hey, let's commit to this thing long-term sight unseen we are willing to give you all this money to to do this thing and katie was the only one who took the offer you go through all of that then you go through all of the Kyrie anti-semitism stuff the suspension the I love how that just gets glossed over but yeah i know but it's <laughs> like the it's it's obviously the it's the most it's stuff. the most harmful of all of these things but in terms of like oh, yeah. what has happened to the nets it's like what, like the third or fourth weirdest thing that, that's yep. ha- happened with Kyrie? And, like, we should have known this was coming because he's back to, like, yesterday or the day before, he started sharing all his problematic nonsense on social medias again. So we should have seen the warning coming. But through all of this, all of that stuff happens. And the Nets are 31 and 20. And they've maintained, you know, a, a top 10 offense and an average defense. And, and that's with... Kevin Durant missing a bunch of games and Kyrie Irving missing a bunch of games and a coaching change and all this other stuff. And Ben Simmons, like just not being very good, like averaging seven points a game mm-hmm. um, and points aren't everything for him, but they're points something. are good. They're no, something they, they, past they, seven. Yeah. <laughs> they help you win. And through all of this, they figured it out and they are winning and it looks like maybe they're not the toast of the Eastern Conference, but I'd have them as the fourth best Eastern Conference team. The way things are going right now, I think Boston's kind of in a class of their own. And then I I beat them by 38 a couple of days ago. I I mean, I'm not going to look too much into single games anyway, but like Boston has beat everyone by 38. It feels like, Um, and then, you know, Milwaukee, Philly, and then probably Brooklyn next. Like I think with their veteranness and, what KD and Kyrie look like in the playoffs sometimes. I'd have them just a hair ahead of the Cavs, but now they're thrown into this giant tumult. So you feel a little bad for Kevin Durant, even though, yes, he was a part of this with the trade demand and putting this all together in the first place. But man, the Nets cannot find a way out of their own way. They 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 just can't avoid it. And like uh, Kyrie, I don't know what the end game is here because like you can't trade yourself. Like I just filed a 5,000 word, all your trade ideas are bad column here at sportsnet.ca that'll be out next week if they don't fire me for filing a 5,000 word column. Mm. I feel like Kyrie's agent's job should just be to slide a piece of paper to him every day that says Kyrie. All your trade ideas involving yourself are really bad, uh, and this isn't good for you. Now we're also in this funny spot where not only is there the Kyrie Irving trade scenario with a ton of basketball implications and a who will pay for him next year implication, but part of this is Kyrie Irving is not getting the extension he wants right now from the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are, by all reports, willing to play out the year, go into free agency. If it doesn't work out, you sign and trade Kyrie Irving. There aren't a ton of teams with max level cap space. If someone really wants Kyrie, they'll give you something on the way out the door. Kyrie's in a weird position where he 
wants to be traded elsewhere to a place that will give him that extension ostensibly. Kyrie is only eligible for an extension with a new team if the Nets pick up. So he his contract is a 15% trade kicker, which means you get a 15% bonus on your salary for this year. The second that trade happens, you know who has to pay that? The Brooklyn Nets. And if Kyrie waives that, he has renegotiated his contract and is no longer extension eligible. So he basically, oh with goodness. what he makes, <laughs> he is asking the Nets <laughs> to pay to for pay him $5.5 million. Oh Slide a check across the table to trade him <laughs> oh. so that he can sign an extension somewhere else. Oh. It is about the most nonsense you could throw into one situation. <laughs> okay, so I didn't know about that part, and and obviously that five million bucks, while to Josiah is it's it's not the same to everybody else on planet Earth, but it's not nothing. Also, uh, especially for a player that has given you so much trouble, and all you've, I mean, in your belief, done is is given the player every opportunity and done everything for him and bent over backwards. So. Yeah, there, there is a comparison, naturally, to the Kevin Durant saga that we went through in the summer. The obvious difference, though, is that Kevin Durant had already signed his extension. He was already obligated to play basketball with the Brooklyn Nets beyond this season, contractually. Three more beyond this. And Kyrie is contractually obligated to play basketball beyond the trade deadline if he is not traded by the Brooklyn Nets. But we're seeing these rumblings, as we, I guess, did kind of see around KD when he was making these demands that it's going to be awkward, that there's like going to be some some uh, upset feelings and that it's not going to be the easiest thing for him to return to the team if, in fact, they don't move on from him. But he does have, like, free agency looming. The idea that Kyrie isn't traded and then goes back to the Nets and plays out the string here for, as you said, and as the standings would suggest, the fourth-best team in the Eastern Conference. And every time you got Kevin Durant, you got a puncher's chance to to go to a finals or win the whole damn thing in the era of parity in the NBA. I mean, so that's one option for the Nets. The other is you acquiesce here knowing that the whole Kevin Durant thing could recycle itself. And in fact, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN tweeted, among rival teams, there's far more interest in inquiring on Kevin Durant's reaction to Kyrie Irving's trade request and how that may impact KD's future with the Nets. So there's all that. And then there's a Raptors component who we were pretty sure. Okay. Was... Sorry, can we stay on the Kyrie thing before we get to the Raptors component? Okay, I was just going to, yeah, the, that's coming. That There is a Raptors component to this, especially considering we're pretty sure that they inquired about Kevin Durant when he appeared to be available this offseason. Not pretty sure. They inquired about Kevin Durant. Yeah. And yeah, the there was, it got oversimplified in the reporting because the the way it got framed as Scotty, they wouldn't include Scotty Barnes, it's, it's more about they wouldn't include Scotty Barnes and the entire roster because that's what it would take to make the cap math work because right. Scotty Barnes doesn't make any money um, by NBA standards. Now, there is there are always the possibilities to revisit this stuff. There are, you know, two of the salaries that could have potentially been outbound in that deal are now closer to free agency or in OG Anadobi's case, reportedly available for the right offer. So maybe you could revisit that. You still run into the complications of like, well, to get KD, you have to trade away all the pieces that would make KD such a good fit on your team. It's still Kevin Durant. Like, look at how silly anyone who like, again, take the specifics out of it. Anyone who was like, no, I don't want to trade for Kevin Durant. Look at how goofy that looked immediately when the season started. What you're looking at though, on the Kyrie front is only the desperate teams. 
mm-hmm. are going to be interested in taking that risk with Kyrie Irving. Which e- is why the Lakers make sense. The Lakers make sense. The Suns and the Mavericks are the two other teams that are rumored to be in on that, which is not surprising because the Phoenix Suns have been thrown into just about every Raptors trade scenario because everyone thinks with new ownership and the Chris Paul timer clicking that ticking rather that they're desperate as well. And the Dallas Mavericks really need help for Luka Doncic. And they have a general manager and a head coach who have relationships with Kyrie Irving. Now I don't, if you're a Raptor fan, if you want to take it in that direction, Phoenix and the Lakers were two of the teams that certainly in my, all your trade ideas column got thrown out there a lot for Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. Or in Phoenix's case, OG Ananobi Dallas less so because the contract stuff is, is harder to work in a way that makes sense for the Raptors there. But if you're the Brooklyn Nats and you're just trying to make the best of a bad situation, maybe you don't care that much that, Tim Hardaway makes a little too much money because he's a good and useful player or that Mm. Christian Wood can walk at the end of the year because he's a good and useful player. Um, Suddenly those three teams get very interesting for the Nats and the Raptors side of this is not only our potential Fred Van Vliet or whoever suitors maybe now in on Kyrie Irving, there's a little bit of a window here to play the wheel greaser where you help. Hey, that's the most interesting Yes. Scenario. The Nets are saying, let's say the Lakers are very interested in Kyrie Irving. The Nets don't want Russell Westbrook back because even though Russ has done everything asked of him this year and really, really grown in that six man role and in the way you'd want, he doesn't fit with what they're doing. His on off stats are pretty similar to like, yeah, they're pretty awful. Yeah, but that's because who's on the court when he's off of it? LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's not fair. That's that's a it's a unreasonable situation for him to be in uh, for on offsets. But let's say the Nets don't aren't interested in Russell Westbrook. The Lakers really want Kyrie Irving. The Nets are like, no, we would like other win now pieces. Well, what team might make sense to give the Nets a couple win now pieces, take on Russell Westbrook the last year of his deal and pick up pick and prospect equity in the process? The Raptors aren't a one on that list because the picks that could be offered in such a deal are very far into the future. If the Raptors are considering a longer-term rebuild, though, those are about the best assets that are going to be on the trade market. 2027, 2028, 2029, Lakers and Nets picks. Those are spicy assets. So, so let's are, let's get explicit about what you're talking about. You're yeah. talking about Kyrie Irving to the Lakers, Russell Westbrook to the Raptors, and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. to the Nets, plus like another salary, whether well, it's... I have an even bigger one if you'd really like. Yeah, all right, give me... The, <laughs> Give me okay. the one you think that's the, what, is this the most realistic, you think? Well, it's the one that I think I, I went through a couple scenarios and tried to make the math balance so that, like, the, the tax implications are considered and, um, you know, the timing of different picks and keeping flexibility. So there is more to this deal than there has to be, but that's because I tried to consider all three spots. So in, in this scenario, to give you an example of how complicated this could get, but also how quickly it could come together, um, the Nets would get Fred Van Vliet, uh, they'd eat Otto Porter Jr.'s money for next year, but hey, hey, maybe he's a useful piece for them. They get Chris Boucher, and they get the Lakers' 2029 pick, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, the Lakers get Kyrie Irving and Gary Trent Jr. Re- completely reload their backcourt with only sending out Russell Westbrook, basically. The Raptors eat Russell Westbrook's contract for the rest of the year. They take on Damian Jones and Wenyan Gabriel, who are you know, not really anything, but it helps make the math and the roster stuff work. And Wayne Gabriel is at least 
reasonably interesting to see if, hey, he has a good 20 games for you. Maybe he's on a cheap contract next year. You also pick up that 2027 Lakers pick. That's the earliest they can move a pick. It would have to be unprotected for this to be worth your while. And then the reason I sent the 2029 Lakers pick to the Nets is because if I'm the Raptors, the pick that I would want a little bit more than one in 2029 is a 2027-76ers pick that the Nets own. So you're basically flipping a 2027-76ers pick for a 2029 Lakers pick there. Um, that's a little complicated, but you can see when when Porter, Boucher, Damian Jones, Wenyan Gabriel, and extra picks start being in there, obviously a three and honestly, this would probably turn into a four-team deal um, pretty well, quickly. This, is all, this always happens, um, the, but I, it can get complicated quickly. The nuts of it, though, are... Van Vliet, Trent, and probably Boucher out because, again, the the money massaging and stuff, and these teams would want a player like Chris Boucher, and you're getting two very valuable but very far in the future first-round picks. Yeah, so I, I think... And they have to be unprotected or we're not talking here. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, so that sounds very reasonable, and I think what it comes back to is what are the Nets trying to do here? Like, is, is this at... The Nets being fourth in the Eastern Conference probably doesn't make Joe Sy and John Marks think, holy hell, like we've tried everything. I would, I would say this deal, though, ends up making the Nets better well, that's now. It. So that's like, it. I think so, Van Vliet and Boucher for Irving, which is the Nets side of this because they're just swapping out the timelines mm-hmm. of picks. Like Van Vliet and Boucher for Irving, when you Irving is better than Fred Van Vliet, but when you factor in all the ancillary nonsense that you get to add Chris Boucher to the mix and that Fred Van Vliet has played defense no, at I agree times with in you. the past, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think they might be okay with that. Yeah, so this is it. The Nets, if they want to trade Kyrie Irving to the Lakers, which they don't want to, but they think that, okay. Honestly, if you're trading Kyrie Irving, who cares? Trade him to Utah. Trade him to Houston. Okay, if you're trading him to the Lakers, obviously getting Russell Westbrook back as, as well as he's you know, acquiesce to the demands of him in his new role in the Lakers. That's not a trade that you're pulling off. You're still trying to compete, even even if they give you every unprotected first-round pick from yeah, here the, until eternity. The Nets are immediately turning around and trying to turn those picks into something else. Right. So in that instance, the Raptors make sense as a go-between, as you mentioned. I think mm-hmm. you called it the grease to this wheel. Yeah. The other element of this is, and it's difficult if you're already being... You're, you're part of this larger three-team, maybe four-team trade if you're the Raptors. And then thinking about the off-season possibilities of Kevin Durant, right? Because this is like, KD gets his guys. Here comes Fred and, and whoever to save the day, play better than Kyrie Irving. And you know what? They're fourth in the East and they have KD. He gets injured or, you know, they perform to their talent level and, and don't get to a finals. Disappoint in the postseason. And then, again, Kevin Durant comes to you and says, man, like you promised me this would be better. I know eh, he's probably not self <laughs> self aware enough to say. I know part of this is on me for hitching my wagon to that guy, but he, it's very realistic that he once again says to hell with this. Like get me out of here. My my career is not going to last a hundred years. And as much as you know, my name might be thrown into negative conversations among the talking heads this summer. Get me out of here. Don't you want to? If you're the Raptors and you're not totally blowing it up. Like you're waiting in the wings, and now you got extra. Like now the Nets are pivoting to that blow it up, and let's think about you know the next wave of greatness, and maybe they want first round picks, and maybe you've got a cash. Do you have to think about the potential KD trade that you can make in the off season? 
not as much as you have to consider, I think, the trade that the idea that if you make this trade and you are making a very big trade that prioritizes far into the future, you are effectively making your Pascal Siakam decision, right? Like you are not, I, I don't think you're making, you're trading away your starting backcourt for deep future picks and very good assets, but deep into the future. And then also being like, hey, we're going to max extend Pascal Siakam and it's going to be him, Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's just not a tenable thing. This is very much a commitment to a longer timeline. This is a, a weird scenario, and, and it and throws he, everything into flux. Here's and, the other thing to consider. We're a Toronto radio station, so we're giving you the Toronto uh, side of this. There are, like, 10 teams that would love to step in and be the grease for the sure. wheels on this trade. So not only would you have to find the pieces that work and decide that that suits your timeline, you'd have to have the sweetheart of the deals compared to the other teams that are now. I don't think any other team could offer Fred, Gary and OG combination of win now rotation players, yeah. um, but other teams will try. Yeah. The last thing on this is that it's a distressed asset and he's, getting paid too much and there's other things that hang around Kyrie Irving but he's damn good like in having like close to a career year wonder what it does to the point guard market when you got a couple of guards that are available um that are paid less uh I wonder what it does to the Fred Van Vliet Gary Trent Jr. market yeah I don't think it affects the Gary Trent Jr. market much um the Fred one certainly it's going to take a suitor off the market for Fred if he's dealt but it also then adds a suitor onto the market because the Nets would no longer have Kyrie Irving, right? Mm-hmm. So um, some pieces are going to shuffle here, but I don't. The, the net effect is still one point guard entering the market, one point guard being removed from the market. Um, I, I think maybe if you're trying to be like really optimistic about this, say the Suns don't get Kyrie Irving and the Lakers or Mavs do, and they are further toward panic mode maybe your leverage increases a little bit. There aren't a lot of good point guards on the trade market. Mm-hmm. Raptors have one. Maybe sh- one that in the sure overall is, is better than, than Kyrie Irving. Not a better yeah, I mean, scorer. He's, he's but... not a 27-point-a-game, you know, 50-40-90 threat necessarily, but he plays defense, and, and while that's declined this year, I would still expect in a lesser minutes and lesser load role, um, he would get back to playing at least solid defense. Like this is a guy who was borderline all defense last year. I don't think he suddenly like forgot how to play defense. I think he's just like pretty worn down at this point. Um, and I think you feel pretty comfortable committing long-term to Fred Van Vliet. As long as the health is okay, then you would about well, Kyrie Irving. It's a completely different deci- like uh, risk profile in that decision, right? Where Kyrie's about to be 31 and you don't really worry about his game uh, at all because he's so good and you don't worry about the defense sliding because he's never really played it anyway because right. he's that good offensively. Um, and then, yeah, Fred's about to be 29 and none of your concerns are would he fit in a locker room and, and could he change his role for a championship <laughs> team? It's it's entirely like, will he hold up and, and is he 2022 good or is he this version of himself, which is still, by the way, his numbers on the year are almost right back to where they were last year. Um, yeah, but no, he's been a lot better recently. Yeah, and it, it, so it's a it's a funny contrast. Like if you if the trade costs were the exact same and the next contract were the exact same, um, I think you would go for Kyrie Irving if the personalities of it were not at all a factor. But it, like say Kyrie gets traded mm-hmm. to the Mavericks, say, and 
The rest of the way, things work fine. They're out in, say, the second round of the playoffs. And then it comes time to talk max extension. And you have to consider you have a franchise MVP level player in Luka Doncic, and you are then locking in, hey, this is the co-star for the next four oh, it's, years. It's a nightmare. This is what it's, we're committing to. And if it doesn't work, yeah, you're we're going to be the team with an unhappy superstar that oh, wants yeah. out very short. And everyone will be laughing at us and saying, we told you so, because we would have told them so. Everybody, yeah, everybody saw this coming. Everybody sees the next thing coming. It's, it, yeah, you should pay attention to history or else uh, you're doomed to repeat it. That was today's top story. Um, Pascal Siakam was also snubbed uh, from the All-Star game. He was snubbed off, like, the all-snub team, too. Like, not a lot of people talking about his snubbiness. Now, he wasn't an All-Star last year, and he still made All-NBA. Yeah, that's happened fewer than 50 times in NBA history. So it's still possible, and you that's know who important. the only person to do it multiple times is? Who's that? Maybe it's not multiple times. Maybe it's multiple times recently, but it's the Rudy Gobert special. The nobody, <laughs> nobody messes with Rudy Gobert on an all-star day-to-day basis. But at the end of the year, everyone has to be like, oh, I guess he was good. Yeah, well, he didn't uh, put up 25-plus points, 8-plus rebounds, and 6-plus assists, which Pascal Siakam currently has this moment. And he would, if he maintains it through the rest of the season, be the only non-all-star to put up that stat line. But he plays for a crappy team. And I push back against, like, the Major League Baseball MVP award pertaining at all to record. But that's a different sport. Like, that's a bunch of individual moments you know, strung together masquerading as a team sport. This is something I, I really do think that you, you have to look at the, at the team's records when evaluating both end-of-season awards and, and all-star selections, which actually means something in this sport, unlike the NHL. Unlike the Pro Bowl, where Josh Allen has decided to go play in the Pebble Beach Pro Am, <laughs> yeah, the Pebble Beach Pro. Um, I'm sure Pascal Siakam was disappointed, and then very quickly, like, had one of his people be like, "Hey, uh, flight to Turks and Caicos no that kidding. weekend." Like, yeah, well, there's also that he'll be fine, and instead of being in Utah, he'll be in. Although uh, a lot of saying, a lot of guys show up for for the All Star game that yeah, aren't All Stars. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's going to be one of them. I think he'll be on a <laughs> beach somewhere. Um, look, here's my main take on the snub discussion every year: is that there are only twelve All Stars per team, but NBA rosters have seventeen players and fifteen active players now. Yeah, like, we could solve some of the snubbery by just expanding the rosters to match an actual NBA roster. Um, I know that that would like dilute the all-star pool or whatever, but like imagine if baseball had no bench players or fewer bench players instead of what is it? 416 major league baseball players to make the all-star game every year. It's a lot. Um, So the, the team component is certainly one of them. I would say it's not the best argument for why Pascal Siakam got quote unquote snubbed because DeMar DeRozan's team is barely better. And Pascal Mm -hmm. Siakam has, I I love DeMar. I think the world of DeMar Pascal Siakam has been better than DeMar this year. Um, And again, they're separated by next to nothing in the standings and the bulls are three games under 500. So if, if five games under 500 is too many at, at that point in time when the votes had to go in, but three games under 500 is not, what are we, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. We're drawing invisible line or imaginary lines. Um, I would say one thing that doesn't work in Siakam's favor in terms of claiming snub or whatever, but James Harden has had arguably a better season. He's missed more time. Mm-hmm. So maybe like depending on where your cutoff is for how much time played. Um, I also think that 
Drew Holiday probably shouldn't have been an all-star on raw merit, but the Bucks are really, really, really good. Yeah, and that's fine. I, listen, I don't have a problem with it. I don't even have a problem with him not being on the all-snub list because it's uh, we the what, other thing anyway. What anyways. are you referring to? Where I don't know, just all-snub about- list. Because <laughs> the immediate reaction I saw from everyone on Twitter, including national writers, oh, really? because there were a lot of national writers who do their hypothetical ballots. And for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, uh, the NBA coaches in each conference vote on the reserves, not media. Um, so media do their ballots, but they're mm-hmm. not real for the reserves. Almost everyone had Siakam on it mm-hmm. that I read. Like the big the big guns that you would put the stock into, um, they all had it. Now, I have talked to multiple people over the years, and this is not outing anyone in the Raptors organization, but you talk to people who have been in front offices or coaching staffs and then go to the media world or players who have been around this and then uh, are willing to joke about it after. The coaches put... 0.01% of the That's thought right. into these things that fans and media do. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. Media gets crushed for their voting decisions, whether it comes to all-star games or yeah, halls of fame or whatever. It's, I mean, better than any other possibility. Dude, the players it, don't care. Hernan Gomez got multiple votes for the all-star <laughs> game by the players. Uh, he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. he is. Um, so here's the thing. This is how... Someone once told me they do it is basically, and this is this was specific to them, not for everyone, but they look at the standing sheet in the Eastern Conference, yeah, and they go down. Well, and, this is it. That's what I'm talking you look about. At, you look at guys who are on there, and you say, "Hey, okay, Boston's at the top." You scoff should, at two games in the they, standings, right? But it shouldn't get that far. Like the Bulls are tenth <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. You shouldn't get that if your criteria is winning team. There are seven reserve spots. How do you get down to the 10th team? And then, like, if someone's like, what about Seattle? Ah, the team's bad. Like, the, the spots should be gone by that point. Um, anyway, none of it, like, I was going to say none of it matters. It does matter. Some of these guys get, like, seven-figure bonuses for making the All-Star. The bigger one for Siakam is All-NBA. Yeah. Because if he doesn't make All-NBA this year, he is not eligible for the Giganto Max extension. In oh, the that's office. what you're calling it, e- not e- Super Max? Well, there are two different versions of Super Max, so people get confused, so I'm going to call this one the Giganto Max. <laughs> um, so basically, Siakam, if he makes All-NBA this year, could sign an extension in the offseason for – 35% of the cap starting in 2024. If not, it's that caps out at 30%. Yeah. It's a pretty big swing when the cap is well over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Giganto. I would want the Giganto max. That's just me. Right, talking. Well, it's worth more money than the super max. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of things that, that matter, uh, great importance. It is NHL all-star weekend, starting with the skills competition tonight. And I say tonight when I mean that some of it's already been, Filmed, recorded, apparently, like some of the stuff out on the beach. Um, yeah, like the, the the traditional skills competitions are still to come. Yeah, you you missed it yesterday. We had some Royal Rumble talk when Eric Kareem was on. Oh, yeah? um, the NHL skills competition is less real than the Royal Rumble, <laughs> the way I understand how this has <laughs> well, been done. Dude, you can bet on the Royal Rumble. You can't bet on the events that have already taken place. You can't. No. All right, we'll talk to Julie Stewart-Banks, who's uh, in Florida for the NHL All-Star Game for SNY. She joins us next. The Fan Drive Time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. NHL skills competition tonight. Uh, game goes tomorrow. Next Leaf game coming up a week from today against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So there's a couple things out of the skills competition that intrigue me. One is that, so the NHL is trying to make its breakaway challenge thing like it's, it's dunk contest, and I appreciate the effort. And here's the thing about scoring goals in, in hockey, in the National Hockey League. There are super unique and amazing ways you can do it, and it's ever-evolving. Like Michigan's and flipping pucks around and between the legs stuff. There's like cool ways. Simpsons, yeah. What was the Simpsons? Nothing, nothing. There will the, be like the, the one, hockey episode. No, there will be like one person who understands that reference. I've seen every Simpsons episode, okay. though. I will tell you off air. You're too young. Oh. Um, <laughs> yes. I wish that were the so case. So here's here's my main issue: is that no matter what you do in a shootout setting, nothing will ever be a cooler breakaway goal than just sliding one on the ice through the five hole. Like if you get a goalie like that, nothing is. There's no like the Kucherov where you just like leave the puck where like no, you're moving like your I, hands around and it just no, like slides I'm talking between like the- little kid on a breakaway. <laughs> you just slide it along the ice between the pads. I don't like, know. I think is- like pantsing a goalie, like going, like having him completely out of the net and going backhand yeah, forehand or something. That's good. cool. Mm-hmm. Now imagine you're a goaltender. Yeah. What is the worst way to allow a breakaway goal? Someone does an amazing move that you have no chance of stopping and everyone can understand went in or the guy fooled you going right down the middle nice and soft. I guess that's true. Like imagine a, a free kick in soccer mm. and just along the, along the ground in the middle. Like that I happens. know you're going to jump. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the most embarrassing. And, and this sticks out to me because one time I scored like that on a penalty shot in an arena that's Humble like brag. in a mall food, food court. Yeah. And it's like. Like, I imagine everyone, like, <laughs> dropped their Manchu walk. <laughs> oh! It's like where New, New York fries flying everywhere. The only t- the place I've seen this is in West Edmonton Mall, where occasionally the Oilers will practice. Cambridge Center. Really? Cambridge, Ontario, formerly known as John Galt Mall. No way. Yeah. That's really cool. Ice rink in the food. Sport check on one end, <laughs> food court on the other. That's really cool. It's amazing. It's uh, also, uh, I don't want to put that arena on blast, but one time I took a puck in the face there and they had no first aid kit. <laughs> and I was like just bleeding everywhere and like Wait, holding it together with a hockey sock. Well, there was probably like a shopper's drug mart in the mall. Was there not? I don't know. I ended up just like kind of paper toweling it and driving somewhere. Um, that seems like, yeah. well, I, I, this is probably why uh, you probably can't see it under these lights, but like in the wintertime, especially when I'm paler and it's cold, you can still You're see paler the star. Than this? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, if I'm outside, yeah. I'd be paler than this. Yeah. I didn't just come back from Mexico. <laughs> Anyways, no, it, it, I can squint and see a reality in which this breakaway challenge thing is really cool and organic and doesn't look at all like when Alex Ovechkin put on like a, a Tilly hat or something and scored, which was, I guess, the, the, the highlight of this event no who was it that scored blindfolded last year but either way oh trevor zegris scored with a blindfold which was i guess cool so this year i'm calling uh i'm calling work on that by the way like that was a that was a gimmicked blindfold it's like how the tables aren't real that you go through yeah yeah no he could see through that um this year Sidney crosby and alex ovechkin are doing something together which i'm of two minds and neither of them good one these are all-time rivals, right? They've met in the postseason. They arrived on the scene at the exact same time. I think, like, their career point totals is in, like, a difference of single digits between the two. They are, and now that Ovechkin has a cup, you can you can truly stack them up against each other as 
you know, one guy is going to maybe set the all-time goals mark in the NHL, and one guy is just the all-time consummate leader, Captain Canada and Sidney Crosby. Five points. Apart. Yeah, it's insane. They are legit rivals that, and, and maybe they didn't have big enough personalities to have real animosity towards each other, but you could, like, those were signature regular season events when those two teams met. Mm-hmm. Now, like, for some reason, the NHL is trying to sell us this narrative that they're, like, good buds, and, ah, we'll have a beer at the end of our careers and hash it out, and, ah, I love you, buddy, and they're going to do this thing together, which I... I may be getting more heated than I truly feel about this you thing. You certainly are. <laughs> like, I can tell in your face as you do this, you're not sincere. <laughs> but it is. Like, can't we have a rivalry? What, why would the NHL want to push that Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin like each other? At least, well, like, let us believe that these guys don't like each other. I think it's in part a fade that the Penguins and Capitals aren't going to be super relevant in the Stanley Cup. So, like, it's hard to sell a rivalry if... Both of these teams are like fringy first round playoff teams. And like you still want to play up the meetings, but I think the meetings from here, you're probably going to play out more for the historical element. Um, it's like, you know, Brady and Manning going head to head for the last time or something like that. Uh, the other thing is, is like, I think Ovech can complain to that, but do you have any evidence whatsoever that Sidney Crosby would be capable of leaning into the rivalry Dude, element? Uh, don't you remember the 24 seven stuff? Like there's a, like obviously to yeah, any pro- and professional you, you, athlete, there's a real edge, but yeah, Crosby is well. And you think he's going to, do that no but i think he would be open to like just yeah let your imagination run wild with how these guys hate each other by the way you can't you can't market or build an event around oh imagine the like (laughs) if they're not doing this together they're not a part of this event why not well does like ovechkin's done it before remember he put on the tilly hat i said yes but like (laughs) is that moving like 35 and 36 year old players is that moving the needle like obviously it's cool and like it's nice it's nice to promote the history of the game two guys that are going to go down as like you know probably top 15 borderline top 10 players of all time like that it's cool to highlight that whenever you can i just don't think that faking that this rivalry still exists but it wasn't uh, yeah it's still though like what do you what do you want do you want the NHL to be like, remember 2010? <laughs> like, I, they both have rings now. Yeah. They, like we they're said. They're both in the playoff picture right now, both yeah. as wildcard teams. Like, they're just, they're, the best revenge is living well, and they oh. both live pretty well at this point. I, yeah. I just don't think, like, yeah, if there was a playoff series between them this year, I think you could spark that back up. But there's not. And the division stuff hasn't really meant anything. I just... I just think it would feel very forced to do anything other than this. Like, do, don't do do it or do this. No. I think playing up the rivalry stuff is just like, it would be very transparent. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Inauthentic I, is a better word. No, inauthentic is, is, you're right. Like saying, or having Sid be like, hey man, you don't like this guy. That's that's the, the storyline. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here, have a, read this and like, you know. You know, he, he said Starbucks is better than Tim Hortons. <laughs> uh, no, that would be disingenuous, and and we'd see through that pretty clearly. Just, but it, nothing would be better. Like these two longtime rivals are going to be skating down the ice arm in arm, like in, that's some breakaway challenge. I don't know what they have. Maybe I'm going to be surprised maybe, tonight. Maybe you're going to be shocked, and, and they can't get along and drop the mitts. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I'm going to go wrestling brain on you for a yes, second here. Please do. The, absolute most overused trope in the history of wrestling storytelling is these two rivals have a match coming up 
but they have some common enemies. So we're going to put them in a team together. Can they coexist uh, on the road to WrestleMania? Sidney <laughs> Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, who will face off a month from now, have to coexist for the night. And then it almost always devolves into those guys are scrapping obviously they they care way more about the rivalry with each other than the rivalry than this match against two other guys so maybe this is going to play out and then we're going to get crosby and ovechkin doing buckets on the ice instead and they just uh the mitts go and i i love that that's the best case scenario for you right part of it although that seems also disingenuous but anyways um, and you, you, you Sidney crosby <laughs> dropped the mitts in an all-star game is disingenuous wow uh, and you besmirched Sidney Crosby's ability to to play the heel or to say anything interesting. Apparently today during his media availability, he said he'd change the league to go with a 1-8 playoff format. Says it rewards teams for the regular season better. So you should take it back because that's quite a take. He's saying, Gary, change the division format, change the wild card stuff, benefit the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit more than you currently do because this is garbage. Future Maple Leaf, Sidney Crosby. All right. Um, although, it wouldn't make a whole ton of difference. Well, the Leafs wouldn't be playing the Lightning. They would be one spot in the standings away from playing the Lightning. Sure. But the, they wouldn't be playing the Lightning. No, not right now. But guess what could happen over 30 games? Uh, they could end the, up playing the Lightning. The again. funniest outcome, actually, is the NHL doing that, and then the Leafs still ending up Well, with that. this is what I said about the, yeah, the Leafs surpassing the Bruins, which uh, didn't seem all that likely uh, in their most recent matchup. But, uh, that yeah, they would get bounced by Sidney Crosby and, and the Pittsburgh Penguins if uh, that were the case. All right, before uh, we take the break, um, the, the trucks are on their way. They probably arrived in Dunedin now because I mentioned earlier this week there was a media uh, – no, opportunity for people to to film the trucks leaving rogers center um pitchers and catchers later on this month jason stark with an interesting breakdown of the part of the new rules i guess you can call this a new rule that we haven't really discussed all that much we've talked about the shift and we've talked about eh, to a lesser extent the bigger bases but specifically the shift and the pitch clock how it's going to impact the game in 2023 the balance schedule is, I mean, it has to be the most significant change to the way baseball will be played, the way the standings will look, the way you think about what the Blue Jays can do in 2023. You get a whole bunch of division games lopped off. It's basically you play the same league schedule. You play everybody home and away in the American League if you're the Blue Jays, but you also play everybody in baseball. Mm-hmm. So it alternates year over year, whether you play a National League team in your own ballpark or in their, in their ballpark. And to, yeah, that is the, as I understand it, that is the most important part. And it's not necessarily about getting to see the different laundry everywhere. But if you want to see Shohei Otani and you live in a National League market, totally. you are guaranteed now to get him once every two years. Yep. If you want to see Julio Rodriguez and you're in a National League market, if you want to see Vlad and you're in a National League market, whatever, or all the vice versa, um, that is the biggest part of this. Every player will be in every market at least once every two years. And this is something the NBA has historically done well and marketed around until we got into this era of a lot of guys sitting games on the road. And it's your, it's your only visit to that city that year. Um, But this is part of the draw there. Some of it is about competitive balance. Sure. But I think the most part is if you want to grow the game from 
what most people call a, a regional sport or a regional fan base sport mm-hmm. to a more national interest. Um, the best way to do that is by marketing superstars and letting all 30 markets instead of 15 markets see them with regularity. No, it makes sense. Totally. But like from, yeah, from a marketing perspective, from a league perspective, from an entertainment, like I'm very yeah. happy. No, for sure. But like, it also is more fair. Yeah. I don't care that much about that. I like, like, I, I care about it. It is. I care a little bit about it, but also like how hard the AL East is and stuff. Like it's a, ta- it's a talking point. Like I, I, I don't know. At certain points, I think that if people were being honest with you, it's actually a feature, not a bug because like we get to do things like, oh, those 87 win Blue Jays from the Eric Hinsky era. Come on. I know. <laughs> Give me a break. No, I'm no. not saying it's a good thing. I, I'm, it, that's an important part of this. But the thing I care way more about is like getting to see all the good players. Well, you'll see the Padres this year. Padres are coming to Rogers Center in the second half yeah. of the season. Like, right after the All-Star break, you get to see those Padres. And I guess Fernando Tatis Jr.'s suspension will be over by then. So, mm-hmm. it'll be in town. And you can boo him vociferously and, if you'd like. And I'm aware that you get to watch all these guys on television or, or MLB Extra Innings or, or whatever I want to sit at the new bars and watch it. Yeah. And some people don't do those things, right? Like, like for too long, baseball's problem has been assuming what works for the hardcores will work for the casuals. And I don't say casual in a derogatory way. I just mean someone who is seeking out the San Diego Padres and staying up to watch West Coast games and has MLB TV. You already have that person in the door. You don't need to worry about no. and. What you can't do, though, is extrapolate from that person's viewing and fandom habits to the 12-year-old kid who gets to go to three Blue Jays games a year and, you know, has the baseball card or the poster of this guy or sees him on the cover of the show and has never seen Jazz Chisholm in person and won't Mm -hmm. otherwise. Uh, I guess the one drawback, the one thing Jason Stark in that piece of The Athletic highlighted that I hadn't really thought about, and I guess I hadn't thought about it because we've had so much interleague play over the years that, that it's not that big a deal, but did you like or will you miss the World Series opponents hadn't played each other? Yeah, I mean, we've we've lost that over, like, since the institution of, of interleague play, it's, you know, luck of the draw, whether it happens year over year, and it used to be a thing. Also, the proliferation of just the ability to watch any and all baseball teams and any and all baseball games, it used to be in the early 90s, you literally, like, had, unless, it was before, like, I, I, I had TBS, you hadn't seen the Atlanta Braves. I, I was going to say, post-Expos, the Braves were kind of my, quote-unquote, NL team, because, yeah, I got TBS Buffalo, and they yeah. carried the Braves games. Yep. All right. That and WCW Thunder on Wednesday nights. I remember. I didn't watch, but, uh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I flipped right. by. I flipped by. Um, okay, so here are the numbers, though. And if I tell you that... The Blue Jays' opponent winning percentage will only decrease by two thousandth of a percent. You would say, "Well, that's not that's that's nothing." Like, why are we even talking about this? What puts it in in starker perspective is that they will play seven fewer games. Now, this is going uh, on what happened in twenty twenty two in Major League Baseball, which is yeah, no guarantee well, to happen in twenty twenty three. Do you want the math nerd explanation for why it's so small? Yeah, because those stats don't yet account for the fact that the Jays played 19 games against AL East teams that this year will have a better winning percentage because they're playing against other teams. So like every team in the AL Central will have a worse winning percentage than they did, which will then drive down the the strength of schedule of those teams. Whereas the Red Sox and Rays and Yankees and Orioles could all be better this year because they're playing an easier schedule 
we just there's like a second layer of this. Yeah. Anyways, they're, they're <laughs> you just do not want to talk just about gonna that. Blow right through that. Yeah. Uh, seven fewer games <laughs> against teams with winning records, and notably. People love to bring this up. Blue Jays had a losing record against teams with winning records a mm. season ago when they won 92 games. The Guardians, who are a joke at all times, they will play 14 more games against teams with winning I'm records. I'm telling you, the AL Central's done. <laughs> like, they're mid-season. Manfred is going to have to be like, we're changing the playoff format. We cannot allow an American League Central team in the playoffs. Holy cow. And then watch, that team will win 78 games. They'll be the... Buccaneers this year, they'll win 78 games, get in, and then because baseball is baseball, they'll win the World Series. 100%. All right, when we come back, Raptors, Houston, tonight we'll talk to uh, Michael Grange about the potential Kyrie fallout and how it impacts the Raptors next. The fan drive time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.